Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would, please, and hold your Bibles up high. I'm going to give you just a minute since it's a 930 crowd. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm beginning a new series today entitled, Look and See. Look and See. In other words, have you taken a look at yourself and what do you see when you look at yourself? Do you see someone broken, someone incapable, someone inferior, or do you see someone fully capable and equipped and empowered by God to be who he's called you to be? You see, we're living in a world that is so fast-paced that oftentimes our vision is blurred by the speed of everything going on around us. And we don't pause long enough to really take a serious look at ourselves and say, God, I'm taking a look at me. I want to look at why I'm here. I want to see why I'm here. You see, it's possible to have sight without vision. In other words, you can see with your physical eyes and and you can see the things around you, but vision is something that happens within you. Many people live a life that have, they have sight, but they have no vision. And sometimes they have sight, but they have a wrong vision of who God made them to be. They feel like that life can never change. It is what it is, and this is the way I was brought up, and therefore this is the way I'm going to live my life. Some of it is because we've been told we're too short, we're too big, we're too tall, we're too fat, we're too ugly. And, and you've taken that and you've looked at that and you've seen that in your whole life, but you haven't seen yourself the way God sees you. And so subtitle today is there's a place at the table for you, but can you see it? Can you embrace it? Or are you looking at all your past mistakes, all of your flaws, all the things you've done wrong, how many times you've been married, how many jobs you've lost, how many accidents you've had, and all of a sudden you begin to have this sight, but you have no vision any longer for your life. In the, in the 70s, the late 70s, there was a lady who grew up, a young girl that grew up, always envisioning that one day she would be a pageant queen. And so she was very talented. She could sing. She could play the piano. She's extremely talented. And so she worked on that growing up. But before she was able to be in a pageant, she had a terrible car accident. And it scarred her face. It, it damaged her, the way she walked. And it looked like all of her dreams were gone. But she kept looking and she kept seeing this vision of being a pageant queen. And in 1979... She ran for Miss Mississippi, and she won. She never lost sight, but in 1980, she reached her dream. Cheryl Pruitt-Salem became Miss America 1980. You see, she saw something different than what she looked at after her car accident. She never lost sight. 
she never lost vision of who God made her to be. And sometimes we begin, we have flaws in life, we have moments, we have seasons where things happen that it doesn't look like our dreams could possibly come true. And before long, we have no sight and we have no vision. And all we do is just say, well, I'm just going to wander through life. I challenge you today to realize that God has a place for you. He has a place for your voice. We need your input. We need you at the table. Everyone God created needs to be at the table saying, I'm going to make my life and those around me's life, my lives better than they ever imagined. But you silence, you're silenced sometimes when you've made mistakes. And what I love about our church is that uh, we got Pastor Jesse who is in prisons all the time, every week, and speaking life and hope into these people who have lost sight. They're incarcerated. They feel like they've made the ultimate step mistake and some of them may never get out. But they learn that they have value inside the walls just like they do outside the walls. Because somebody's coming in preaching hope and saying, don't give up. Keep your vision. Keep your sight. You can make an impact in the community that you're living in. And there is no excuse for any of us to say, you know, I'm just not good enough. I just can't be enough to be everything God wants me to be. I've shared the story many times about my father for the first 13, 14 years of my life. Never went to church. My mother would drag us to church, but my father didn't. It wasn't that he didn't necessarily love God. His mom and dad loved Jesus with everything in them. But he worked two jobs. He worked seven days a week. And you could say, well, that's an excuse. You know, he grew up poor and he didn't want to be poor any longer. But the reality is when he finally, he was a, he was a cigar smoking, tobacco chewing golfer. And, and so when he finally started getting a little freedom, uh, my mother, of course, she was relentless. She was a human pit bull. And uh, finally, she got him in church. But how many of you know that when you get in church, you bring all the habits with you that you once had? You don't get drop them at the door and say, hey, I'm born again. Everything's great. So my dad comes into church with all his tobacco habits. And, of course, back in that day, <clears throat> if you weren't perfect, you couldn't, you couldn't even be a greeter at the front door of a church. They measured everybody by the outward. They looked at everybody and said, well, you're well, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I'll never forget, my father couldn't see, nor could the church see, the value in a person who finally said, I want to grow in God. And we have to give people time and space to grow in God and, and let them become who God wants them to become. That word become means I'm not there yet. I am a work in progress. I am becoming who God wants me to become. And they wouldn't even let my father in that church. Uh, they, they would tell him, if you do these things, you, you can't receive communion. And for years, my father would go to church, and it, but he wouldn't receive communion because he saw himself just like that church saw him as unworthy. He had too many habits. He couldn't be a, a part of the church like everybody else. Finally, long story short, he outgrew that. And he grew beyond that and he accepted himself and he saw himself under the blood of Jesus and he saw himself through the shed blood of Christ. And that's what we have to do to move forward and become everything God's called us to become. We have to look and see differently. And so there's a story in the Bible that I love. It's a story of Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I'm going to read it portions, if not all of it, because it's a powerful story of Saul's grandson, Jonathan's son, who was carried away by 
his nurse when he was young because in the Old Testament, if a king was took the place of a former king, they killed the former king's whole family so that his sons could never become king. They couldn't challenge anybody for the throne, so they killed him. So when everything was going down with, with Saul and Jonathan, the nurse said, well, I got to get him out of here. They'll kill him because David's going to rise to the throne and become king. And so as she was rushing him out to preserve his life, she dropped him. And the Bible says he became lame and he couldn't walk and she hid him. And this is a terrible thing. The name of Ibesheth means from the mouth of shame, breathing shame, scattering disgrace. That's what his name meant. And she took him to a place called Lodibar, which meant desolate. So here's a guy, a young boy who's being carried out, doesn't even know what a vision is or what it's like to be in the king's home because he's too young. And so all of a sudden, my name means shame, and I go to a place called desolate. And here he is in this far off place being hidden and David becomes king. And it says, one day David asked, is there anyone left of Saul's family? If so, I'd like to show him some kindness in honor of Jonathan. It happened that a servant from Saul's household named Ziba was there. They called him into David's presence. The king asked him, are you Ziba? Yes, sir, he replied. The king asked, is there anyone left from the family of Saul to whom I can show some godly kindness. Ziba told the king, yes, there is Jonathan's son, lame in both feet. Where is he? He's living at the home of Makur, son of Amiel, in Lodibar. King David didn't lose a minute. He sent and got him from the, thr- the, from the home of Makur, son of Amiel, in Lodibar. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, who was the son of Saul came before David, he bowed deeply, abasing himself, honoring David. David spoke his name, Mephibosheth, yes, sir. David said, don't be frightened. I'd like to do something special for you in memory of your father, Jonathan. What David was doing in that moment was breathing life, speaking hope into a young man who grew up hiding in fear, seeing no value. He's lame. He can't walk. He is abandoned, and all of a sudden, one man named David began to shed some light on the life of a young man that didn't even know his grandfather was king, and if he did, he knew that even worse, he was in trouble. If they ever found him, they would kill him, but there was a man named David. Our role is to be like David, to see people, and not only look and see people, but help them to look and see God's plan for their life. Too often, if somebody makes a mistake that is really radical to us, we discard them. We tell them you can never be who you were called to be, and certainly there are some circumstances where they have to change their environment to be who they're called to be, be in a different place, but you're never not called to be who you were called to be when God made you. That God doesn't change his mind. He didn't change his mind with, with, with Jonathan, with Saul. He didn't change his mind with Mephibosheth. This was a family, a ruling family. And sometimes it's not other people that incarcerate us in our soul, but it's the way we think about ourselves, the way we see ourselves. In the mid to late 80s, maybe early 90s, I don't remember the exact year, 
but I was invited to the home of one of the greatest soul winners of my time, a guy by the name of Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ, and I didn't know why I was invited. I, I, I went to his home in Florida, me and about nine or ten other pastors, and I happened to be seated across from him. And let me tell you something, I didn't feel like I should be seated at that table. Here's a man who had won more souls than I would ever even dream of winning. And he was so humble. He looked at us pastors and said, I'm here today to ask y'all to help me. And I thought, I'm here so you can help me. Here's a guy that every day at that, at that table, we were having lunch. He said, every day, Campus Crusade for Christ is broke. I tell our team, we spend it all every day. We don't save money, we spend money so that we can win people into the kingdom of God. And I sat there and it was a moment for me that I had to look and see that God must have a plan beyond my ability to see or my vision for my life. You see, it only takes one moment if you'll embrace the moment to realize that God has more for you than you've ever imagined. That God has put something in you, a unique gift, a unique call. And it may not be unique to other people, but it's probably unique to you. The call and what I do right now is very unique to my family. Uh, we had a large family. My, my dad came from a family of 12. My mom came from a family of seven. I have more cousins than anybody would want. And if you need some, I'll loan them to you. I got cousins I don't even know. And, and so we come from this huge family pretty much impoverished, uh, didn't have a lot of money. Some, some of the family members broke out of that. They saw themselves as different. But I remember going to my grandmother and grandfather's house, and every now and then I drive by it in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, and I go by and I'll stop and I'll take a picture of it, and I'll remember my grandfather sitting there in his chair in this little bitty four-room four house, not four-bedroom. You walked into the living room, to the right was the kitchen, and to the extreme right was uh, the bedroom and a bathroom in there, and that's all they had. Well, they did have a little porch in the back with a ringer washer, and some of y'all don't even know what that is. My grandmother would invite us over on Sunday. I, I hated it. It was in Sand Springs. There were stickers in the yard. It was just a mess, and Grandma just was such a sweet lady. She was legally blind and barely see at all. And uh, she would go out to the chicken coop, and she'd get a chicken. I remember as a kid, she said, we're going to have lunch, and she'd wring that chicken's neck right there. And I thought, this is traumatic. She'd go to jail today. But she would pluck it, and then she would cook it, and she would feed us. So you have to see, this is my upbringing. My frame of reference in life was to look and see that we're going to survive. And if there's one thing I learned in my early life was how to survive. But then I realized that Jesus died for more than me to survive. I had to look and see differently. Mephibosheth had to look and see differently. I'm no longer a lame young man that is having to worry about his life. I'm a young man with a call on my life. And David began to show him and help him see who God made him to be. You see, sometimes we become lame in our thinking. He was lame physically, but we get lame in our thinking. And when you get lame in your soul, you get silent in your life. You think nobody's going to listen to me. I'm a lame individual, and I use this word very carefully because in a world where you can't say things, but 
you know, we have handicapped parking and that's so people can get closer. They don't have to walk so far. And, and maybe, uh, maybe physically that's a challenge. And, and they, they should have a place there. But I think the greater danger is when we get lame in our thinking. We see ourselves as incapable. I can't do this. I've done too much. I've been too many places. There's been too many things happen. And you get lame in how you think. And David had to speak to Mephibosheth and tell him, I'm doing this for you. David then called Ziba, Saul's right-hand man, and told him everything that belonged to Saul and his family, I've handed over to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants will work his land and bring him produce, provisions for your master's grandson. Mephibosheth himself, your master's grandson, from now on will take all his meals at my table. David didn't say, I'm going to go put you at the table in the kitchen. He said, I'm bringing you to the dining room. I'm going to sit you next to the king. I'm going to treat you like a king. I'm going to treat you like royalty. You see, you look at yourself and you say, I'm not royalty. You are a royal priesthood. You have to start looking and seeing yourself differently than maybe your teachers told you when you're graduating most unlikely to succeed. And you listened. And you've listened to that throughout the years. And all you can see is a tunnel vision of, I got to survive. I got to get by. But pull the curtain back. God's got wide open places for you. God's got dreams that will come true if you will allow them and you'll look and you'll see them. The Bible says, without a vision, my people perish. When they lose sight, when you lose hope, you begin perishing in your soul. You quit waking up every day with purpose and pursuit, realizing that today may be your day. And you miss it because you're not looking for it. When my kids were young, there was this book, these books that came out, and it said, Where's Waldo? Any of you ever remember those books? Where's Waldo? And I would sit down with my kids, and it was actually fun. I could find Waldo before them, but I taught them to look and see. He's in a crowd. He had this very unique white and red striped shirt on, so he was supposed to stand out, but they dressed other people in him. But Waldo had just enough uniqueness that if you would look and you would focus, you could find Waldo. And I taught my kids early on, look and see. Don't give up. Keep looking until you find Waldo. Some of y'all quit looking. And when you quit looking, you quit seeing. And when you quit seeing, you quit living. Every week, I wake up and I look and I see this room filled with people. You can say, well, not quite there today. I'm still looking. Where's Waldo? We got a bunch of Waldos out there. And I'm telling you, to be in here, yeah, don't be afraid to clap. Some of y'all go, but that responsibility would fall on me to look and see that my neighbor needs a church. My coworker needs a church. I need to tell somebody to come to church. When's the last time you invited somebody? No, I, you know, I'm just, no, I don't know. I know this, that if we'll get excited about who God is and what God can do, we won't be able to stop telling people, you need to be where I am. We're living in a world where it's case sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. I'll do what I want. Just watch me. I'm watching, and I'm watching people do what they want, and I'm watching people have success in the secular world, and they're miserable in their personal life. You can have all the money in the world, still lose sight of who God made you to be. You're miserable because you don't even know what to do with it. You see, we're living in a world where it's all, all the measurements 
Everything in the world is measured by what you have instead of who you have. Mephibosheth ate at David's table just like one of the royal family. Mephibosheth also had a small son named Micah. All who were a part of Ziba's household were now the servants of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem taking all his meals at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. I like how that finishes. In other words, he's saying, yeah, he was lame in both feet, but look where he's at right now. Look at where he's at right now. Every now and then, I'll take a trip down memory lane, and the reason I do it is kind of by design. I don't want to forget where I came from because I don't want to forget what God did to get me where I am. It's not that I'm wallowing in the past, that I'm allowing the past to affect me or impact me. What I'm saying is I never want to forget the things that caused grief, the things that kept me bound because I don't ever want to be bound again. And sometimes it's, it's a difficult journey. and Some people don't want to walk it, and I understand it. But I believe that it's important for us to give glory to God for where we are today and where we're going to be. So I thank God ahead of time for where I'm going to be. I'm not there yet. But whenever you wake up in the morning, and most people, if not many, if not most, they're, they're, what they see is this, this dot in the future called retirement. Retirement is one of the worst things that could possibly happen to our country. Because what it says is you're going to get up every day. Now, just think about this a minute. I know some of you, I'm, I'm bursting your balloon. You may never come back. But I'm not saying, talking about a paid position or a job that you've been on for 30 years, I'm not saying you shouldn't leave there. But what are you going to do when you leave? Have you looked? Have you sought out, God, what do you want me to do? Because I can promise you, whatever it is, you're going to get tired of it pretty quick. You're going to wake up one day and you go, why am I here? What's my purpose in life? We don't live well without purpose. We don't live well without helping other people. Everything we do in life should be centered around what can I do to be like David? David is king. He doesn't have to do anything. He's got servants. He's got money. He's got way too many wives. I mean... I, can't, I can barely keep one happy. I can't imagine having 300. Dear Jesus, help us all. And David, having everything he could possibly think of, one day wakes up and goes, I'm going to have to look and see. There's something beyond my life that I need to do. And he sought out this lame, crippled man named Mephibosheth. You bring the lame up, wake up, and see there is a place at the table for you. God has something for you to do. So when you get down in your thinking, you get weary in your living. When you start thinking down, you will start living down. When you wake up in the morning with your physical sight, but you don't wake up with your spiritual eyes, you will get discouraged. The psalmist said, why so downcast, O my soul? You ever ask that question, why so downcast? I can explain it very simple. We're walking in our sleep. We have our physical eyes open, but our spiritual eyes are blinded 
and we're not seeing the world around us and the purpose for which we were created. It's to go into all the world and make disciples, to win souls. The Bible says he who wins souls is wise. That's our purpose in life. And when we lose that purpose and we quit looking and we quit seeing, and you're never too old. Never too old. Susan and I were talking on the way to church this morning. We were talking about people getting older. And I said, you know, she said something about herself. And I said, you may age, honey, but you never have to grow old. Aging is something that happens to our body. Growing old is something that happens to our mind. When you start thinking wrong, you will start living wrong. When you start thinking you heard a crack in your knees, you'll start walking like you have a crack in your knees. You may sound like one of the Rice Krispies in the morning, but get up out of that bed and declare, I'm Tony the Tiger. <laughs> it's all about looking and seeing. What do you see when you look? I love the story of Elijah. He prophesied it was going to rain, sent his servant out. Time after time, servant came back. I don't see any clouds. I don't see anything. Elijah kept knowing. In my spirit, I'm looking and I'm seeing something that you can't see. But I see it inside and I'm going to keep sending you. Can you imagine that servant going, Jesus. And of course, Jesus wasn't known back then. Say, God, God, please let there be something in the sky. I'm wore out. I feel like I'm in the Old Testament CrossFit. I'm running, and I'm looking, and I'm running, and I'm looking, and I'm not seeing. And finally, a seventh time, he came back to Elijah. Can you imagine just for a moment, he comes back and goes, thank God. Jehovah Jireh, he provided a cloud the size of a hand. Nobody gets excited when there's a, if there's a drought and there's a cloud the size of a hand. You'd look and say, well, that's going to pass. Mm -mm. Elijah said, I know, you need to go tell Ahab, it's getting ready to rain. He looked. He saw something different than anybody else. You see, sometimes God will give you a vision the size of a speck, a hand, a needle, whatever. And, and you say, well, that's not much. No, if you have faith and you'll look and you'll see, God will show you if you'll keep looking. Don't take your eyes off of the hand, that cloud the size of a hand. It's getting ready to rain. You say, well, I, oh, that we got a little bonus last week. It's not enough. That's all right. God's going to swell that bonus, and he's going to bring it in. Say, this is just the beginning of our blessing. God, thank you. I can see it now. It's on its way. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving out. I'm not giving in. I can see it coming. The devil loves to talk you out of it. Well, you're just lame. You're a lame Christian. Look at you out doing salsa on Saturday and saucy on Sunday. Yeah, devil, he'll, he'll, he'll attack you in so many years. You got a new car. You could have done so many other things with that new car. Say, I bind you, devil. God bless me with this car. It's not the car that keeps you down. It's how you see it that keeps you down. Never forget, somebody, my, somebody gave me a car one time. Before they gave it to me, I didn't know who they were. They wanted to give me this car. And uh, some people said, well, you know, I'm, I don't deserve it. And Mephibosheth is thinking, I don't deserve this. And you measure God's blessing by what you deserve or you think you deserve. And, and all I said to this guy, I said, look, the only reason I wanted to meet with you, I didn't want you to give it to me blindly. I said, because tomorrow if God tells me to give it to somebody else, I'm giving it away. You see, I, I wanted to be sure that he didn't think I wasn't appreciative. But 
I wanted, I wanted to see, I wanted him to see that everything I have belongs to the Lord. And I wanted to remind myself, and Mephibosheth now is in this great place and finds himself blessed. The second thing that will keep you from it is, is blame. You know, Mephibosheth could have been bitter. He could have been, I can't believe that all of these years you became king and, and you're just now coming to get me. And I, I've been in Lodibar. I've been a desperate place with a name that means shame. And, and here I am now. You finally find me. Somebody finally, I can't believe it. And what, what happens, we start blaming. You might be where you are right now. It's with my mom and dad. Quit blaming your mom and dad or you'll stay right where you're at. Quit blaming what happened to you in the past and start declaring what happened in the person of Christ that overcomes what happened in your past. He gave you a future. Now, you might have had to gone through hell to get to heaven, but let me tell you, don't camp in hell. You just go through as fast as you can. Put your foot on the accelerator and say, I'm not stopping here, devil. You've got to press through, but you're only going to press through if you can see on the other side of this hell, on the other side of this dark moment is a light that shines bright. And that's what Jesus came to be the light of the world. And if you'll let him, he'll be the light of your life. But you can't sit around and blame other people for where you are today. It will keep you from sitting at the table. You say, well, you'll blame everybody else. Don't blame anybody else. There's a place at the table for you. You have to look and see, and you have to step up. When I wanted to preach, the first thing God did, when I, I knew I was called to preach, I verified, I mean, I knew it. But I wanted to go from that moment when I heard the call to preaching to thousands, and God said, go drive a school bus. Take kids to youth camp. Well, God, I'm bigger than that. Now, the fact is, it wasn't necessarily bad that I saw beyond that, but, man, I had a hard time getting through that. I thought I was going to go to jail for killing teenagers. Bus driver kills 13 teenagers on the road to youth camp. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Man, sometimes you've got to go through some things. Mephibosheth went some, through some things, but guess what? He didn't play the blame game. When you start to play the blame game, remember this, Christians play the name game. I'm going to name him above the blame. I'm going to name Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords in my life. I'm not living in that category. Speak up. There is a place at the table for you. So first thing you do when, when you find yourself lame is wake up and realize. Rather than playing the blame game, speak up. And declare God's word. I'm the apple of his eye. I've created his image and his likeness. He had a plan for me before I was ever born. My steps are watered by him. You have to talk to yourself. You have to keep your eyes open. The devil wants you to sleep through this life. And I'm not talking about laying down and getting a good night's sleep. I'm talking while you're driving down the road. You barely have enough juice in your life to get from where you are to where you need to go. And instead, you need to have a bunch going on in your mind that says, you know what? This is a journey, and I'm on my way from glory to glory. My pathway is getting brighter and brighter. This doesn't happen easily. If it did, everybody would be doing it. Today, there are people at home in bed, haven't been to church in years. Give God no thought, and God has got all of this stuff for them. And they don't even listen. Pretty much every week, I listen to four to five sermons from other preachers. 
Say, why do you do that? Because I want to grow. And I can't grow when I listen to myself because I think I sound like a chipmunk. No, if you ever record yourself and have to listen to yourself, it's the worst thing in the world. Every now and then, Susan will turn on one of our sermons, and it'll be on her phone, and I'll perk up because I think, that's me. (laughs) Somebody asked me, you remember the first sermon? I said, yeah, I got the cassette tape, and I threw it out. I listened to it, and I thought, this will never happen, and if God keeps this going, he made a mistake. I thought, that's the worst sermon I've ever heard in my life. I still have days where I think that. But y'all keep showing up to see how bad it can get next week. (laughs) Lame in your thinking, blame in your mouth, shame in your heart. Shame isolates us. Blame silences. Shame isolates us. Keeps us separated from our call, from our purpose, and other people around us. You may be in a desolate place now. You may have a Lodi bar right now. You may be like Mephibosheth and you think my name must mean shame. Many years ago, and I'm not saying this arrogantly, but when I first got born again, I, I dove into the Bible. I was trying to figure out what this was all about. When I grew up, I thought the Bible was just a book that you had in your house to impress God. And when he came back, they have a Bible, take them up. <laughs> I didn't know the Bible was there to fill my heart and my life. I thought it was there to protect me from going to hell. And it really was, but it wasn't just for the purpose of being there. I had to fill my heart with it. You have to fill your heart with it so that you don't live a life of shame. You don't live under the circumstances. You live above them. I'll be talking about, in the weeks to come, lifting up your eyes, keeping your head up, not bowing your head down, but lifting your head up. That's where your redemption comes from. And some people walk with their head down. When you were a kid and you got in trouble, what did you do? Put your head down. You don't want to look anybody in the eye. That's where the devil wants to keep you, looking down, because if you're looking down, you can't see what lies ahead. Mephibosheth had to come out of that, sh- out of that shame, and I looked at my name when I was a, a young man reading the Bible, and I looked at the book of Mark, and I thought, this is my favorite book in the whole Bible. And then I thought, I wonder what Mark means. You ever looked at what your name means? Some of you may not want to. I haven't met a Mephibosheth yet, and I'm sure there's a reason that name died out. But I looked, and Mark meant mighty warrior. And, it, and I know it sounds stupid, but I had to find something to hang on to in my life. I had to find out if there really was a purpose for me, because growing up where I grew up wasn't the most insightful, most visionary place. Matter of fact, we were on, grew up on the west side of Tulsa, and the west side was known as River Rats. We were on the other side of the Arkansas River, Jinx and Bigsby and all the bigger places that were developing were on the other side of the river. And, and we were in this little community that wasn't going anywhere but down. I drive through it today and I go, dear Jesus, I had no idea how poor we were. I mean, seriously, I didn't think about it. I just thought about waking up, playing all the sports, having a good time. And now I drive through there and I go, I remember that family had four kids in that two-bedroom house. Didn't even think about it. I thought it was just a place to sleep. Because in the summertime, when you grew up in my neighborhood, all the parents said, put your cutoffs on, get out the door, we'll see you at night. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And then some of y'all, you ain't drank out of anything but a filtered faucet. (laughs) We were the ones that drank out of water hoses and swam in ponds and sained in creeks. 
with snakes coming down from the bank when we're getting crawdads to sell to fishermen because that's the only way we could. We made money any way we could. Every Saturday morning after a Friday night football game when I was a kid, I'd go under the bleachers, and that was when they didn't have, you know, the bleachers were open. I'd find more money under there. Why? I looked. There was no other kid there but me, man, and I'd climb that fence to that football field, and I'd go under those bleachers, and I'd rake in money, and then I'd get my wagon and get my, my uh, rack on the back of that wagon, and I'd go to the bar ditches and get pop bottles, and I'd take them to the Berry Hill convenience store, and I'd sell them. Now then, when I say that out loud, I'm going, wow, I was a little entrepreneur. I should have hired some guys to go bar ditching with me. I didn't realize that I, how much God had put in me to look and see. I had the tough conversation with my father before I got born again. I was getting ready to take off on a motorcycle and uh, just ride across country, which was really stupid. And my father was right, but he said, Mark, he said, life's more than this, or life is not about this. And I said, Dad, life is what you make it, and I'm going to make it something. And I was as lost as a goose in a snowstorm, looked like a cow at a new gate. Didn't know what I was doing. What am I doing here? But I knew there was something inside me, and I had to keep looking. And some of you, in your dissatisfaction, the greatest gift that God's ever given you is dissatisfaction. But he didn't give it to you to stay there. He gave it to you to prompt you to look beyond that dissatisfaction, that funk that you're in, that lameness, blameness, shame game that you've been playing your whole life. And you've lived under it. Somebody shamed you when you were a kid. Somebody shamed you when you were in high school. You were shamed. And you've let that stick to you. Today, I'm saying be free from the lame, blame, shame game. Look and see. God has more for you than you could ever imagine. Don't be the person without a vision. You'll perish. Some of you right now are sitting there thinking, you know, I'm stuck where I'm at. You're only stuck there because you want to be. You can look beyond that. You can move beyond that if you can see beyond that. Have a vision. Keep going back until you see a hand the size, a cloud the size of a hand. And when you do, get excited and everybody will criticize you. Well, that ain't nothing. Say, we may not be yet, but there's a storm inside that cloud. And it's getting ready to be released. And for you, it's a storm of blessing that God's going to open up to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you looked and you saw us. And when you looked and you saw us, you saw something that was exceedingly wonderful. And so, Lord, I pray that no one leaves here in a funk, in junk. Lord, lame, blame, shame, none of those things, God. May they leave here knowing this is not the way my life is going to finish because I'm going to look and see what God has for me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we never like to close a service without giving people an opportunity to receive Jesus. So we're going to pray a prayer that will make a difference in your life. And I want to ask everyone watching online right now live, and if you're watching this recorded, I want you to pray this right now. I don't care if it's a month from now, a year from now, you wander onto this sermon on podcast, YouTube, whatever it might be. You pray this prayer, and God's going to hear it from your mouth to his ears, and I promise you it's going to change your life. Everyone pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin.
Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I declare today I'm born again. I declare today my best days are ahead. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to text the word saved. If you weren't already saved, you prayed that, you were lost. Text the word saved to 405-513-10. Just text the word saved to 405-513-10. And in-house, our prayer team will be to the left of the stage in just a moment. Your right, my left. Just come up and say, look, today I prayed a prayer to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to start looking and seeing things differently than I've ever seen them before. It's important that you do that. At this time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. And I want to say this to you. It's, it's, some of you say, I look and I see. And you've looked at your checkbook, you've looked at your account, and you see the same thing week after week, month after month, year after year. And many people say, what can I do to change that? Well, I can change jobs. Maybe I'll get a raise. And all those things are possible. And there's certainly something that there's nothing wrong with. However, if you would just look and see that there's a portion of that which you now possess that can unlock the doors to that promotion, that bonus, or that raise. When the Bible says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, he's saying honor me with a tenth of what you're making and I will multiply it. I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll pour out so much on you there won't be room enough to contain it. But you have to look in, into the word and you have to see the word is true. There are times that there are things in the Bible that challenge me beyond other things that I have to take a second look at and go, God, I, I can't see how that works. I can't see why that happens, but I'm going to trust you. And this is a very important thing. And as I was thinking about this, we used to pray this prayer. As I bring my tithes and offerings unto the Lord, I'm believing for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, bills decreased, decreased, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every now and then, listen, man, I, haven't, I, I used to have that written down. We prayed it every week, and I'm thinking about reinstituting. How many of you would be interested in that? It's, it's a thing that it stirs you to see, to look and see beyond the need and to see the provision ahead of time. God, as I do this, these are the things I'm looking and I'm seeing in my future. And God will open heaven over your life. But I want you to know one thing. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And all of the mistakes that you have made cannot compare to who God made you to be. So I want you to look at life differently. Somebody will always remind you of your past. I got a message, and if you're watching, I, I hope you're watching. I love you, forgive you. But somebody sent me a nasty email this week, said there's a special place in hell for you. Wasn't that, isn't that precious? My wife looked and said, what do you think? I said, I feel sorry for him. I have sympathy, I have compassion, because obviously the Bible says in 1 John, if you hate your brother, you basically hate God. We can't hate one another. We can't say those things to people without being personally affected by it. I bless my enemies. I bless them and I curse not. And so in your life, it's the kind of freedom we're called to walk in. You have a right to hate me. You have a right to say those things. But I want you to know it's a waste of your breath and energy to say them to me because I know who I am. I've looked and I've seen. I am a child of God. And I'm going to tell you, you mess with one of my kids, 
I go unchristian on you real quick. Or I want to. Can you imagine what God feels when one of us say that about one of his other children? It's, not, it's a terrible thing. You are where you are, and you can blame whoever you want to blame. But now you have the responsibility to not be who you thought you were because that's who they told you you were. So you can get mad at them. You can tell them there's a special place in hell. That's not going to help you. But to look and say, they just don't know who God made me to be. I may be lame. I, I, may, I may have a handicap in my life. But I know that God's called me to the table, and I'm going to take a place at the table. So if you want to give today, uh, you can text the word GIVE to 405-546-2226. Simply text the word GIVE to 405-546-2226, and you can put in the amount, set it up on a debit or credit card. It's real simple to do. And so those of you watching online, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, you can do this from anywhere, anytime. And we appreciate your faithfulness to give. You can also give on your way out. If you're in-house, you can also go to our website, mosaicokc.church forward slash give and give right there. Or you can mail your offering to 5821 Northwest Expressway, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73132. It's a lot to remember. And also, those of you that are new to this church or new to watching, I do a midweek call every Wednesday night. It's about a minute and a half to two minutes. It's just an inspirational call to remind you of who you are in Christ and who He is in you and to try to encourage you how to live life. I can't change you. I can only change me, but I can put tools in your toolbox that might help you get to where you want to go, and that's my prayer. So you can, you can text the word CALL to 405-513-10. If you want to serve, you can text the word serve to that same number, 405-513-10. And uh, that will get you a phone call from us to, be, uh, to sign you up or to pray for you. Okay, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the left of the stage. On your way out uh, or in the seat back in front of you, there should be this card that has all the information I just shared with you on it. Take that home, put it on your refrigerator if you want to remember uh, and you can also uh, direct message me, sweet direct messages that counter the ones where there's a special place in hell. Uh, I just wanted you to know that. I feel like it's important that you know that there are people who think that way, and uh, you're not those kinds of people. And if you're sitting here today, I know that you're sweating and you're tearing up right now. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I love you very much, and I, I see this place, and I see great things in you. You may not. But I wouldn't stand up here week after week after week if I didn't believe that these messages could take you places you didn't think you could go. And you're going places you didn't know you could go, I promise you. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to go out with a shout of hallelujah on three, uh, which simply means praise to Yahweh in the Hebrew. And uh, so every week we praise him by shouting hallelujah. One, two, three, hallelujah. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.